glad God is a Savior. I'm glad he's a healer. I'm glad he's still able to baptize us in the Holy Ghost. I'm glad he's coming again. He hasn't changed one bit. Praise the Lord. Continue to remember those in prayer that we've been praying for. Uh, Sister Jackie, Teresa Blanchard, uh, Sister Karen Butler. Uh, Sister Darlene's out sick. Many of you probably already knew that, but uh, she wasn't here Sunday. And again, uh, tonight, just uh, upper respiratory, uh, pretty sick. I think she's going back to work tomorrow. Uh, not completely well, but uh, just a need there. Uh, as a bus driver, she's got to get back. So uh, be praying for her that God will touch her and heal her and give her strength in her body. Amen. Say uh, happy birthday. Sister Pam, today's her birthday. And uh, we're going to allow our children to be dismissed to their class on this Wednesday night. If you have your Bibles and want to read with me, we're going to turn to 1 Kings chapter number 18. Familiar story. Verses 21 through 39. 1 Kings chapter number 18. Verses 21 through 39. What a privilege it is to have Brother and Sister Manley service with us. If I remember right, they pioneered a church there in Tennessee and pastored it for quite a long time. How many years was it, Brother? 34 years. 34 years they pastored. So uh, you know what kind of people they are. If they can uh, stay at a church 34 years and pastor it, it speaks uh, to their character and uh, reputation and love for the Lord. So... Uh, what an honor it is to have them uh, in service with us tonight, uh, staying this week with the nails. And I am so glad Brother Larry has kept uh, Sister Sharon straight for all these years. I don't know where that woman would be without him. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> and I want to tell you, it's just about the other way around. <laughs> Oh, Lord, he was carrying on because that's what Brother Larry does. But, uh, and she's a good sport. <laughs> and that's why I love him so much. I appreciate it. Amen. First Kings, chapter number 18. And we're going to read verses 21 through 39. I apologize for reading so many verses. I just uh, want to get the whole context of where we're going to preach from tonight. And Elijah came unto all the people and said, how long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. Then said Elijah unto the people, I, even I only, remain a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Let them therefore give us two bullocks. Let them choose one bullock for themselves and cut it in pieces and lay it on wood. Put no fire under, and I will dress the other bullet, and lay it on wood, and put no fire under. Call ye on the name of your gods, that's a little g, and I will call on the name of the Lord, and the God that answereth by fire, let him be God. And all the people answered and said, it is well spoken. And Elijah said unto the prophets of Baal, choose you one bullet for yourselves, and dress it first. For ye are many, call on the name of your gods, but put no fire under. 
And they took the bullock which was given them, and they dressed it and called on the name of Baal from morning even until noon, saying, O Baal, hear us. But there was no voice, nor any that answered, and they leaped upon the altar which was made. And it came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, Cry aloud, for he is a god. Either he is talking, or he is pursuing, or he is in a journey, or peradventure he sleepeth and must be awaked. And they cried aloud and cut themselves after the manner, or after their manner, with knives and lancets, till the blood gushed out upon them. And it came to pass when midday was past that they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. But there was neither voice nor any to answer nor any that regarded. And Elijah said unto all the people, Come near unto me. And all the people came near unto him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And Elijah took twelve stones, according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, unto whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be thy name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. And he made a trench about the altar as great as would contain two measures of seed. And he put the wood in order and cut the bullock in pieces and laid him on the wood and said, fill four barrels with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. And he said, do it the second time. And they did it the second time. And he said, do it the third time. And they did it the third time. And the water ran round about the altar and he filled the trench also with water, and it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel, and that I am thy servant, and that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God and that thou hast turned their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is the God. The Lord, he is the God. Verse 24 is our key text for tonight where simply the prophet said, let the God, or and the God that answereth by fire, let him be God. Mm -hmm. Amen. I, I, that's what I want to preach on tonight, the God that answers by fire. The God that answers by fire. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. God, we pray for your touch, your grace, your help, your anointing to preach your word tonight. Lord, we're helpless without you, but we can do all things through you. I pray tonight, God, you'll minister to our hearts, meet every need, send this house and those that are listening, oh God. I ask you, Lord, that you'll touch us around this altar. I pray the fire of God would fall in this house tonight. And God, you'd consume the sacrifice, the sacrifices of our praise, the sacrifices of our broken spirit, our broken heart. I pray tonight, oh God, you would fill us to run it over with the fullness and the power of the Holy Ghost. For you're still a God who answers by fire. Grant it, we pray, on this Wednesday night midweek service. Uh, 
Answer us by fire in this altar. We ask your blessing upon the remainder of this service in Jesus' name. If you love him, would you say amen? Amen. You know, there are a lot of things in this text that stands out to me, or at least they did as I was. We've preached from this, as many preachers have, uh, many times in many different ways. But uh, being where we are right now as a nation and as a church in this uh, pandemic era that we are ministering in now and also in this, I don't know what you'd call this, backslidden age. <laughs> I don't want to call it a post-Christian era because uh, I, I know that just like in Elijah's day, he said, I, even I only, remain a prophet of the Lord. Well, he was feeling a little sorry for himself because God had to come back and tell him, I still got 7,000 prophets that have never bowed their knee to Baal. You're not in it by yourself. And I thank God that scattered across this country is a remnant called the church that loved the Lord. And they didn't vote for the junk that's in Washington right now, I can assure you. And they stand against it, but nevertheless, we find ourselves as a nation in a mess. And Elijah watched this go on all day long. They got there in the morning. He said, look, there's eight, this, I'm outnumbered 850 to one. You get a bullet, lay it on the altar, 850 of you ought to be able to ring the bells of heaven. And if Baal's God, we're all going to have a Baal revival today and we're going to fall down and worship Baal and you're never going to hear anything about Jehovah again. And old men like me's never going to preach from the law again. And you're never going to hear us prophesy in his name again. And you're never going to be bothered by us kind of folk ever again. So I want you boys to get on with it. The Bible said that they took the bullet, cut it in pieces, laid it on the altar, put no fire under it, and they began to pray. And they prayed, and they prayed, and they prayed. The Bible said that they cried aloud. They lift up their voice. They even got to jumping up and down. Sounds like a, a lot of churches I've been to through the they was loud, and they jumped up and down, and when that didn't work, they even took uh, knives and lancets and cut themselves, uh, and blood gushed out, uh, up, uh, you know, upon themselves. And uh, he, he said, you know, maybe you're not crying. He's mocking them. Maybe you're not crying loud enough. Maybe your God's on a trip. Maybe he's on a journey. Maybe he's pursuing, you know, somebody or uh, maybe he's asleep. Said, uh, you know, maybe he just can't hear you. Cry louder. And they they done everything. And when they had started cutting themselves and doing all of that foolishness, he said, "That's enough. We've been at this all day. That's enough." And it's evening. And one of the things that I took note of that I believe it's evening in America. I believe it's dark. It's time for us as a church to get on with it. If we're going to have revival, if we're going to touch heaven, if God is going to hear us in this generation before the rapture, we're going to reach people, it's getting dark. 
It's getting dark fast, uh, and we need to get on with the business of the church. Listen, this evening in America is late, uh, it's dark, uh, and it's time. But it's not too dark. It wasn't for Israel, and I want to say it's not for us. Uh, it's not too dark. Neither is it too late for the fire of God to fall upon our altars. I, I, I preached last, uh, this past Sunday, on, you know, that though it didn't seem likely, you know, for the children of Israel that God would move, he's a God who is against all odds. That when the odds are stacked against you, that don't bother God at all. When, it, when it's midnight and you've got bleeding stripes on your back and they've got you in the innermost prison and it looks like you're done for, that's a good time for God to move. That's a good time for God to work. When uh, it seemed like the church was being persecuted and uh, chased down. I mean, the Apostle Paul had even heard that there were any that were you know, Christians, if he just heard a rumor that there were Christians in a certain town, he would get arrest warrants, he would search them out, track them down. He was a modern, he or a biblical day, Osama bin Laden. He terrorized the church. He was a terrorist. He was a murderer. He was the greatest nemesis that the young, fledgling, early, newborn church had. As a matter of fact, when the Lord wanted to save him and he told the prophet to go and pray for him, he said, time out, Lord, I've heard about this guy. He's a bad dude and I'm scared of him and I don't want to get anywhere around him. He said, oh, no, no. When you find him, you'll find him praying. Yeah, yeah. You'll find him praying to me and you know prayer changes things, don't you? I'm just telling you, when it looked really bad for the church, uh, God is a God against all odds. Uh, and God said, I know it looks bad, but I'll just save the dude that's trying to kill you and throw you in jail. And as bad as he's been for the devil, he'll be that much more good for the Lord. Oh, I'm, that had to have dumbfounded all of hell. For the Lord to have saved, you know, a, a firebrand of Satan. I mean, uh, Satan thought, I've got this guy locked, stock, and barrel. I mean, he's, he's wreaking havoc uh, on the church. Uh, he is my right arm. I'm getting a lot of mileage out of this guy. And the Lord comes along uh, and saves him. And just like that, uh, God uses Satan's uh, most effective weapon against him. I, I want to tell you, I don't know what... Uh, the Lord is up to. I just know that when Satan looks like he's about to win the victory, when Satan looks like he's about to put the church down and out for the count, I know from reading this book, God Almighty is up to something. I've read this book enough times to know not once has Christ ever lost a battle. Where he has a church uh, where the gospels preach uh, and where people believe and trust and pray and seek the Lord, whether it's communist China or backslidden America, God has a church uh, and the Holy Ghost is going to fall. People are going to be saved, healed, Holy Ghost filled, 
And they're going to be ready for the rapture. Amen. So I, I, the first thing I took from our text, very simple, is that it's evening in, a, in Israel. It's evening on top of Carmel. If you're going to pray, if you're going to believe God, if the fire's going to fall, it's time to start praying now. It's time to get about the Lord's business now. It's time to shut the devil down. I've heard enough of that. I've seen enough of that. It's time for the church to get busy doing what God has called us to do. And Elijah went to work and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. If you want to have another 16-week revival like with, like the one that Brother Larry got saved in, if you want to see 16-week revivals in the church, then we'll have have to go back to the work of repairing the altars of the Lord that have been broken down. And when God's people will again pray, I want to tell you, revival will again come to the church. Church won't be a burden. Church won't wear you out or drag you down. Oh no, but it'll lift you up. It'll firebrand. It'll make you a firebrand for the Lord. It'll save your family and sweep over our nation. Can God do it? Will God do it? He has and he will. I feel God on a Wednesday night. Amen. I, I, you know, in, in prayer, like Sister Sharon was saying, them trying to win their co-worker, God has been sending people to this church for me to try to win. And so far I haven't won them and it bothers me. Y'all have seen Tim here the last two Sunday mornings. Something has happened to Tim's mind. If you've known him in years past and seen him the last two weeks, we don't know what it is. I don't know if he's got a tumor growing on his brain that's, that's triggered something. I don't know. She said he was on uh, Lasix uh, for fluid, that he took too many, that he got disoriented from pulling all the potassium out. He took too many of his blood pressure and it got his, I don't know if that's done something to him. I don't know. Doctors don't know. He's in the hospital right now being evaluated, but it has bothered me for the last two weeks that God sent somebody to the church that I pastor. And over two weeks, he's gotten progressively worse. I've said to God in prayer, this is a place where people that have lost their mind ought to be able to come. And, and, and fall at the feet of Jesus. And the next time somebody sees him clothed in his right mind and preaching the gospel. And if that don't happen, I'm not blaming God. I'm looking at me saying, Lord, we need a true heaven sent fire baptized revival in our soul. This gospel should bring results in our lives. We ought to be able to pray the prayer of faith and God answer us. Amen. It's evening in America. It's time for the church to work. Second thing I took note of was the bullet, the sacrifice that Elijah placed upon the altar. He cut it in pieces and he saturated that sacrifice. And he Not only did he not light a fire under it, because that was going to be God's job. 
That's an overkill, he said. Pour me a barrel of water on it. And they did it. He said, pour me another barrel on there. And they did that. He had dug a trench even around the altar. He said, pour me a third barrel of water on it. And they did that. It ain't rained in three and a half years. I'm thinking that the old wicked king saying, yeah, your tab for three barrels of water sky high. Yeah. And if God don't answer by fire, you're a dead man. Elijah wasn't worried about God answering because he knew God answers prayer. And I believe he knew it was going to rain when he got through sending fire that God was going to also send the rain. And what they had needed for three and a half years, they were about to have it to in abundance, but look, the bullock is saturated. That sacrifice is saturated, and the Lord said that a saturated offering is not an ideal recipient for fire to follow. It's hard for something soaking wet. It's hard for something drenched, soaked, and saturated to burn. It don't make good horse sense. A picture is what it is. It's a picture of a fallen nation saturated in sin, soaked in perversion. Uh, but here's another picture. God will take a sacrifice as it is. You can't clean yourself up. You can't turn over a new leaf. You can't just simply get your act together. Well, I'm going to come to church next week, preacher. I'm going to get myself straightened out. I'm going to get my act together. We're going to turn over a new leaf. We're going to start doing better. And we're going to start coming to church. You won't never come. I said, you ain't coming. You want to know why I know you ain't coming? Because you ain't never going to be able to get your act straight. You ain't never going to be able to pull yourself together. You ain't never going to be able to clean up and act right and do right. Church is not a place for people that got their act together and cleaned themselves up to come and belong to religious society. No, no. This was a place where Christ saved our sin-wretched soul. This was a place that when I was losing my mind, when I could not get a grip, when I was out of control and on my way to hell, this is a place where God came down and touched me. Hallelujah. And he hasn't changed. God will take the sacrifice as he is. He said, soak it, saturate it, drench it, because that's what Israel is. Soaked and saturated in sin. But you don't have to come to him dried out and perfected, ready. No, no, God will make you ready. Whatever shape the sacrifice is in, you bring it to God. You lay it on the altar like it is. Oh, yes, sir. All ye that are, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, come unto me. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. 
for I'm meek and lowly in heart and ye shall find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You'll find that sin is heavy. You'll find that the way of the transgressor is hard. But bring it to Jesus. Cast your every care upon him. Lay your sin at his feet. Come with your drugs. Come with your alcohol. Come with your tobacco. Come with your with, with, with your sinful lifestyle. I don't care how far in sin. Bring your homosexuality. Bring your perversion. Bring your promiscuity. Bring your adultery. And cast yourself at the feet of Jesus. Come as you are. And you'll leave made whole. We caught this woman in the very act of adultery. What do you want us to do with her? He said, well, whichever one of you has never committed a sin, I want you to pick up a stone and do what the law says and stone her to death. And they all dropped their stones and walked away being pricked by their own conscience that they were all worthy and guilty of death. And he said, lady, where are your accusers? Lord, I have none. He said, I didn't come today to condemn you, but I want to tell you something. Go and sin no more. He'll clean you up. He's not here to beat you over the head with his stick of judgment and condemnation. He will mercifully and graciously save your soul, but he will also put... A conviction in your heart that I'm not going to live that life anymore. He'll give you the power to walk this life. Amen. So God will take a sacrifice as is. You don't have to come perfected. Whatever shape it's in, offer it, bring it to God as is. Come to Him confessing. Come to Him repenting. And in the dark, in a pitiful condition, God can still send fire upon them that seek his face. There's yet hope for America, and there's certainly hope for the church who is in America. The fire of God, when it falls, will consume the sacrifice. It burned up the bullock. It licked up all the water in the trench. It even burned up all the dust that the water had soaked down into. Three and a half years of no rain. That water had saturated itself. It licked it up out of the dust. The fire of God, when it comes, will consume you. The Lord is not interested in just a little dab will do you. If you're not interested in selling out, if you're not interested in giving God your all, you can forget the fire of God falling. No wonder some churches are teaching them how to speak in tongues. Because when people don't want to surrender their life to God, they're never going to get the fire to fall. So they're just faking a little fire, if you will. But when you give it all to God, you don't have to worry the fire's going to fall. When it does, it's going to consume you. 
It burns us up. The old former things must die. 850 false prophets uh, when the fire fell. You know what Elijah did? He said, somebody lend me a sword real quick. Because now that the fire of God's fell and, and Israel's hearts are turned back to the Lord and they're saying to God in a heart of repentance, the Lord, Jehovah, he's God. Not Baal, but Jehovah, he's God. Bring me a sword. Why, since we have a revival, we're going to do what should have been done a long time ago. And he slew every one of the false prophets. I know you got a you got a hard idea in your mind about how loving, gracious, and merciful God can watch as 850 men were slaughtered. I know we don't we don't wrestle flesh and blood. Our battles not with spear, shield, or sword. Our weapons are not carnal. You're not going to be called to go out and kill anybody. That's a false prophet. Oh no no. But in type, but listen, everything that's not of God must be put down. I said everything that's not Christ must be crucified. It must be slain. It must be put to death. Amen. The old former things must die. 850 false prophets are slaughtered instantly. They cannot remain. They cannot be left behind. God forbids it. They have to die. And I wrote this down. I've never penned this before, but God speaking to my heart saying, here's the irony of God. The God of grace is a God of judgment. Somebody said he's a God of grace, a God of love, a God of mercy. He sure is. But he's a God of justice as well. He's just and he's holy as much as he is Gracious and merciful and loving. Yes. So the God of grace is also a God of judgment. And God said to me, judgment uh, magnifies grace. <laughs> judgment uh, is what makes grace amazing. <laughs> if there were no judgment of God, <laughs> then grace wouldn't be worth anything. But grace spares you. Yeah. Grace spares your life, uh, but grace murders your sin. Yeah. I said the same grace that spares your life uh, murders your sin. He said, lady, I didn't come to condemn you, but go and sin no more. He didn't kill the sinner, but he killed the adultery in the sinner. Romans 8 and 3, for what the law could not do and that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, condemned sin in the flesh. Christ, listen to that, Christ condemned sin in the flesh. He didn't condemn the sinner, but he condemned the sin that was in the sinner. He's not going to let you live like the world. He's not going to let you hold on to your sin. He's not going to leave you like he finds you. He will. The same grace that spares you, the same grace that saves you, will condemn that sin in your heart. And right here, amazingly, the story changes. Just, we're praying, fire's falling, 
And all of a sudden we go from fire to rain. Fire comes to burn up, burn out, and pronounce judgment upon sin. And then he earnestly prays for rain. A new life has now came to replace the old. There are no prophets of Baal. The altar of the Lord's been repaired. God has accepted the sacrifice. The fire has burned up the dross. It is sanctified and made holy. They're now right with God. And this is the revival that Pentecostal fire will usher in. Fire brings with it persistent and prolonged prayer in the believer. I said fire will produce persistent and prolonged prayer in the life of a believer. If prayer, persistent prayer, and prolonged prayer is not a part of your life, then you need the fire of God to burn again in your soul. You ain't supposed to preach like this on Wednesday, y'all. We better, we better, our nation's going to hell. We better, you better turn Fox off. You better tell the Lord, I've heard enough of that. You better quit looking at Biden and Pelosi and Schumer. I've seen enough of that garbage. It's time for the church to pray through. Listen, persistent prayer brings rain or brings the rain of revival. And persistency breeds consistency. I want to tell you if you'll pray persistently then you'll be a consistent yeah. Christian. Oh, God. I'm tired of up and down, in and out, lukewarm, you know, on again, off again. Oh, for the church to be the church. Oh, for the body of Christ to catch fire of the Holy Ghost. You don't beg them to worship. You don't beg them to stay. You don't beg them to pray. You don't pacify or, or, or print them. Oh, no, honey. They're on fire of God Almighty. I got born again October 93. If I wasn't in church, my pastor knew something's bad wrong with Brother Eddie. Yes, he didn't have to call me and said, you pray? You pray today, boy. Did you pray through? Have you studied your Sunday school lesson? You prayed over it? You got to lead worship this Sunday? Are you full of the Holy Ghost? Have you got the fire? Are you going to drag them to death? He never asked me that once. Nobody ever, listen, nobody ever had to call and encourage me. We hope you'll come back. I'm on fire. I'll be back. And if I ain't, it means that I'm in the hospital. 
or on, on a sick bed. Occasionally, every now and again, I might have had to work over. I'm just telling you, if I wasn't there, something was wrong. Right. It was not my, it was not my habit to not be consistent. Right. I want to tell you, I'm called to preach. Because of the fire of God falling on my life. Uh, I'm preaching the gospel to you and pastoring this church tonight. Uh, because of what the fire of God produced in my life. Uh, persistent and prolonged seasons of prayer. That become the practice of my life. Hey, I said persistent and prolonged prayer that become the practice of my life. That is how God calls a man or a woman. God didn't see in me the ability to preach. I didn't know how to preach. And still, don't if you ask most people. I got my idea what preaching is. Preaching to me is just spending time with God, walking with him, holding his hand, and him burning in your heart that you can't do anything but tell somebody what he said to you. Hallelujah to God, living for God. That's what it is to me. It's walking with Jesus. It ain't a set of do's and don'ts. It ain't a list of man-made righteousness. Uh, let a man walk with God and he'll live holy. I don't even know where I'm at in my notes. I know if I don't stay with them, I'll preach all night and that ain't what I want to do. I'll tell you why God called me to preach. It's because every prayer meeting the spirit wanted to fall uh -huh. he said fall on Sullivan he's down there amongst them every revival that come along every altar call given fall on Sullivan he's down there amongst them uh -huh. my pastor's praying he needs help in the ministry looking for a Sunday school teacher and the Lord said you Sullivan he's right there God's calling somebody to preach to work with the young people in that church. Hugh Sullivan, he's right there. I'm just telling you, availability is the thing with God. Right. It's not that I was eloquent of speech. You heard me. I can't talk worth a lick. I wouldn't pick this voice. I wouldn't pick a man as slow as me that talked as slow that had the southern swing that I use. No, no, I would check off everything. God, that's what you don't want in a preacher. Those are the things that I had to overcome to be able to surrender to the call. But when God chose me, I'm telling you, there was a fire of God burning in a boy's heart that made him available. The fire of God will keep you on the altar. That's where the fire falls. The Bible said that the house of Stephanus, Paul speaking to the church, he said, you greet Stephanus when he comes. For his whole household has addicted themselves to the ministry. I can't go without this. I can't live without the word. I can't live without an altar in my life. I can't live separate from the body of Christ. 
He addicts us to the ministry. You want to addict yourself to something? Let it be Jesus. Let it be the Word of God. Let it be the altar. Let it be persisted in prolonged seasons of prayer. And you will be a man or a woman on fire for God. Hallelujah. Curse, if you'll help me, I need to quit. Consistency. These people, Israel needed that. You know what the question was? How long halt ye between two opinions? You were so inconsistent. Up and down, in and out, on fire, ice cold. I don't know if you're worshiping Bill or worshiping God. I don't know if you're a Christian or if you're a backslider. I don't know who you're serving today. You got me and the Lord confused. How long is your life going to be a spiritual yo-yo? Up and down, in and out. Praising God one minute. Begging God to forgive you the vilest sin the next minute. Life does not have to be that way. Consistency is what God knew they needed. He knew the fire of God was the only thing that could produce it in them. How long halt ye between two opinions? He said, make up your mind. No more in and out. No more half-hearted devotion. If you're going to live in sin, be a part of the world, then go for it. But if you intend to live for God, then place your sin-soaked life on the altar of God. Pray through until the fire of God touches your very soul. Save me. Sanctify me. Fill me with your Holy Ghost. And let me be a chosen vessel of the Lord. You know what you are as a church? You're either a vessel of honor or dishonor. If you're going to be a vessel used by God, you're going to be sanctified by fire. You're going to know what an altar is. You're not going to be halting between two opinions. I want to say God's saying to the church, it's evening. It's dark now. I've heard their junk until uh -huh. I don't want to hear it no more. Let's let the church get on with the business of being the church. Let's repair the altar of the Lord that's been broken down too long. Let's cast our saturated offerings, our saturated sacrifices. We've inundated ourselves with everything that's of the world. I'm telling you, we're, the, the world's confused by us. We talk about Jesus but live and act like them. Our prayers go unanswered and our life for the most part is our Christian witness is ineffective. It's confusing to them and the prophet of God says to us tonight, how long will you halt between two opinions? If God is God, then sell out. Look to him. And pray into the firefalls. They jumped up and down, screamed and hollered and cut themselves. 
And Elijah just walked up to the altar. Said, hear me. Hear me, I pray, oh Lord, so that these people will know that you alone are Lord and you have turned their heart back again. Poof. The fire had fallen. And the result of the fire falling, he didn't get up and say, let's go back and finish watching the ball game. But he prayed on. He said, thank God for fire and demonstrations of power. He said, but the nation needs rain. And we got to pray on that God will send the rain. plainly spoken to your heart tonight both by my word and by my spirit saith the Lord I call you this night to solidarity saith the Lord I call you this night unto allegiance unto me and unto my word Ye shall have no other gods before me, saith the Lord. I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. I call you to repentance, to repentance from your lukewarmness, repentance from the altar that's been broken down in your life. I demand allegiance of my children, obedience from my sons, saith the Lord. Seek me this night and lay aside every other thing saith God seek me only and offer to me your whole heart and I am sealed the God who answers by fire I will baptize my church with my power and in my spirit saith the Lord in this late hour hallelujah how many of you meet me in this altar tonight and let's lay hold of God together. Oh, would you help me call upon his name? Hallelujah.